Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. Undisputed no longer. I'm Jaden Becker, and this is the Daily DDT Podcast. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite platforms for your morning drive, lunch break, or whenever you need your wrestling fix. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. If you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. Last night was a spectacular NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day. But before we get into that, let's take a look at our breaking news AEW Sammy Guevara fractures relationship between Impact and AEW. He was slated to work a short storyline in the latest Impact tapings, but voiced his displeasure about the creative direction and ended up getting pulled. So as we know, AEW has been sending over some stars to Impact Wrestling. Recently, we saw Private Party and Matt Hardy, and before that, uh, we saw Kenny Omega, of all people, find their way over to Impact Wrestling. And Sammy Guevara was assumed to be the next one, especially saying after this week's episode of AEW Dynamite that he needed to spend some time away from this place, and that place now scenes was supposed to be impact wrestling and now after some creative decisions that Sammy Guevara did not like he ended up getting pulled AEW management was not happy with Guevara after these actions and felt that it somewhat jeopardized the relationship between impact and AEW what was planned for Guevara was now done by Black Taurus who found his way from AAA to Impact Wrestling as well. And Sammy Guevara just can't seem to keep himself out of trouble both in and out of kayfabe. You remember uh, during the Speaking Out movement that what came out about Sammy Guevara, what he said about Sasha Banks, a little bit too vulgar for me to say even on the Daily DDT podcast. And for him to now get back into the news again for something that is getting him in trouble Definitely not what you want to see out of Sammy Kovara, a person that is supposed to be one of the next superstars in the world of professional wrestling under the wing of Chris Jericho uh, ever since the birth of AEW. So seeing Sammy Kovara getting himself into trouble once again is definitely frightening. WWE signs Taya Valkyrie and Eli Drake. Yes, I had to put that one in there for all you fans. Eli Drake now going by the name L.A. Knight. So I guess you could do L.A. Knight. He did that on the NXT TakeOver pre-show. He appeared, and during the NXT show, TakeOver show as well, we saw him sign on the dotted line in a pre-recorded video uh, with William Regal making his way over to the WWE and NXT. They even mentioned him along the names of Finn Balor and Pete Dunne saying that he's going to be watching that match, meaning they're putting him on that same level as the NXT champion and the contender of that match. So... It, by putting him at that level right away definitely speaks volumes. Uh, Tyra Vac- Valkyrie, she also finds her way over to the WWE. She's a former Knockouts champion with Impact Wrestling, and this these signings have been coming left and right But from the WWE. Uh, we saw Blake Christian get signed, and we saw uh, Casanova get signed as well. And, you know, signings coming left and right, but these are two huge, absolutely huge names to find their way underneath the WWE banner. Congratulations for all of us at the Daily DDT family. And oh boy, I'm excited for the WWE getting back in the rhythm of signing people once again. Because you can only imagine through the pandemic, they didn't have the venues to do so and weren't able to reach out as much as you could assume. 
for the WWE, but now they're getting back into the swing of things. A lot of people should be scared if you're a promoter for Impact, if you're a promoter for Ring of Honor, promoter for Impact Wrestling even. Uh, you're going to have a tough time keeping a lot of your stars down under contract and trying to resign people, uh, especially with WWE knocking on the door with the money that they're allowed to and have been uh, giving to a ton of talent. Now we're going to move on to our NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day review. And oh boy, I'm left here speechless after last night. What an amazing show NXT just put on. I I, I sit here record, recording this uh, moments after NXT TakeOver. And I, I'm still sitting here in shock. So I'm going to go run through this whole show from the beginning to end. And hope I can express to you my emotions uh, of how I'm feeling about this uh, pay-per-view, this takeover, because it was just so next level than I could ever imagine Avengers Day uh, being in the first place. Only five matches on the card, but every match delivered above and beyond. Starting off with the first match, which was the Dusty Cup Women's Final, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez versus Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon. If you remember in last episode, I talked about my predictions for NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day, and this is my tease. My tease for it was who must win? Who must win at NXT TakeOver? And the answer was Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. They must win this match to help bolster the women's tag team division in the WWE in that main roster because the winner of this match gets a WWE women's tag team title shot. A guaranteed one in the future. So as this match started off, Gonzale, uh, uh, excuse me, Raquel Gonzalez dominated early on. But Dakota Kai did have her struggles building up how dominant Raquel Gonzalez was early on. As Moon and Blackheart kept Raquel Gonzalez away from the ring as much as possible. And tried to cut that ring in half so Dakota Kai was alone on her own. But as Gonzalez enters, she causes great chaos and really showing her dominance. Gonzalez with a huge clothesline but misses and ends up hitting Kai on accident. Moon takes advantage of that with the Eclipse, but the referee was distracted by Kai, stopping the pinfall there. Moon talks way, 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 way too much. One thing I've noticed about Ember Moon, and we saw it in War Games, and we saw it in this match, in the regular NXT shows on Wednesday nights, you don't see it as much, but um, these pay-per-views... We see her communicating to her opponent way too much, in my opinion. Uh, that's the only one real big knock I had on this show, and it wasn't really that big. It's just only Ember Moon does it the most. She, she does not uh, cover very, very well compared to uh, a ton of other wrestlers on this card and in the NXT roster. Moon, I just noticed time and time again. I don't know if it's me just looking for it now because I've seen it so much. I'm focused in on Moon trying to see her call her spots. But I just see that way too much. That was the only, one of the only real knocks for me. But other than that, this whole show was almost flawless. Uh, but that that's one thing I had early in this match. But once again, Moon makes up for it because she takes some crazy bumps throughout this match as well. Going off the top rope, doing some... Doomsday device, it's really next level bumps that both Moon and Shotzi Blackheart were taking throughout this match. Unbelievable. A ton of back and forth pinfalls. Gonzalez ends up tossing Ember Moon off of the stage. How they had NXT TakeOver Avengers Day set up uh, was like the classic WCW 
entrance ramp going directly into the apron of the ring, not into the ring skirt. So going directly into that apron. So if you go over the top rope, you're going to end up hitting that ring stage. So that elevated ring stage uh, was end up being a huge advantage for Raquel Gonzalez as Moon tossed her off. Gonzalez slams Blackheart with an elevated power slam. It's sort of like a choke slam, power slam variant where it's up on... Uh, we, we, we saw it in uh, War Games, what put Yoshirai through the table, that same type of move, up on the shoulder, lifting up with one hand on the chest, one hand on the back, and slamming her down to the mat. A fantastic match and a great way to start the show. And the, as I mentioned, the must-win, that was a must-win, and, and Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez delivered, the NXT uh, promotions delivered, because now... Not only are they going to build Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez as legitimate threats to the WWE Women's Tag Team titles, but they're building all of NXT along with it and end up going to be building the title as well, trying to make that belt look a little bit more legitimate than it has in the past few months because the back and forthness of it between Charlotte Flair and Asuka, who aren't really a, weren't really a real tag team at the time, and still... Belts being on Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, with them having no real competitors at the moment, at least none that look legitimate in the WWE main roster, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez definitely look like some real, real competitors to that belt. They match up perfectly well. Raquel Gonzalez and Nia Jax match up well. Dakota Kai and Shayna Baszler match up really, really well. And we saw the matches that Dakota Kai and Shayna Baszler were able to put on in NXT uh, years ago. So great way to start the show. Got me super hyped up. For the next match, which was Kushida versus Johnny Gargano, the, the NXT North American Champion. This was for the NXT North American Championship. And I love the ring gear on Johnny Gargano. It had the blue and yellow of the way of ring gear. I thought that was very, very nice. Had a nice vest and good tights, good um, shin guards as well. I thought that was awesome. And Austin Theory backstage before the match was kidnapped by Dexter Loomis and then... Gargano had uh, both LeRae and Indy Hartwell go and try to find Theory, keeping them away from ringside throughout the whole match. So they did not interfere at all. It was a one-on-one Kushida-Gargano match the whole way through, which was really, really nice to see. And what was also amazing to see was the technical clinic that they had early on. Kushida ended up taking control on the outside later in the match, but that early clinic between them two was next level. Absolutely next level. Uh, Gargano found his way back in control after hanging up Kushida in the ropes and kicks Kushida in the arm similar to how he did uh, two, excuse me, to how Kushida did two weeks ago to Gargano. The whole reason why he was wearing that arm sling last week on NXT on Wednesday. So got comeuppance for that. But and then (laughs) after that, that backfired into... Kushida running all the way down the entrance ramp to kick Gargano into the arm as well. And that same exact arm, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful spot. And along with that, a beautiful mid-match pin attempts back and forth, back and forth in the double clothesline, dropping the both down onto the mat. Coming down to the back end of the match, Gargano connects with not one, but two one final beats. And it was just... A sh- I have in my notes here, in all caps, writing handwritten all caps at that. So you, I had to make sure I saw this as I'm running down my notes here. Show stealer. The, at this point, I think there's no way 
any other matches on this card can get any better than this. And it really stood out among the rest early on. An absolute show stealer of a match. I don't do it justice uh, describing to you through this podcast how well this match turned out. If you haven't watched NXT TakeOver, I highly recommend giving this pay-per-view a watch on the WWE Network because this was some really next-level stuff. And this is what you live for as a professional wrestling fan, seeing this type of match. We talk about the WWE often, and I think Edge said it best two weeks ago. WWE often focuses on the E in WWE, the entertainment. This pay-per-view focused on that second W and then the wrestling part of the WWE. And I cannot imagine any better match between these two. A lot of people said... I was uh, looking around on Twitter, and I was a little bit more active on Twitter throughout this pay-per-view than I have been for others. And a lot of people saying Kushida, even though this was a fantastic match, Kushida should have won it. I think, as I said in my prediction show, I think Gargano was the right choice because Loomis is going to be the next NXT North American champion. I said that in the prediction show. I'm saying that now. I still believe it to be true. Loomis is going to be the next big thing for NXT and the NXT mid-card. Nothing against Kushida. He definitely deserves gold around his waist. I think we might find that with Kushida getting the NXT Cruiserweight Championship uh, next. I think that's his next piece of hardware that he'll be able to attain for Kushida. But he, he not nothing against Kushida. He proved it to me again. Uh, in this match, that he's the real deal. We haven't really seen a match like this from him in a long time since his hand injury and since what he was able to do in in New Japan. We haven't seen a match like this in a long, long time. He needed to prove it to, again to me. And oh boy, he proved it. He proved it. He, the amount of audible wows and woes I had in this match and throughout this whole pay per view in general. I woke up half of my my dorm room hall from my wows and woes <laughs> throughout this pay per view because it really was some next level stuff. Next match: MSK versus the Grizzled Young Veterans in the Dusty Cup Final. The Grizzled Young Veterans keeping Nash Carter in the match, keeping Wesley stuck on the outside watching. Wesley enters on a hot tag, and a really good hot tag for him because he was standing on the outside for a while, and does this fantastic splash on the outside, not over the top rope, over the not just over the top rope, over the top rope, the top turnbuckle, and the ring post, going onto the outside to clear all of that from almost center of the ring, an absolute feat of gymnastic strength that I couldn't imagine anyone doing in a million years. To see that come out of Wesley was phenomenal. Another wow moment, audible wow moment coming out of me. A doomsday device through the ropes onto the outside by the Grizzled Young Veterans. Once again, another audible wow moment. Back and forth. And, and great spots in this match. Fantastic spots. But it wasn't moving too fast. It wasn't moving too slow. It was spot after spot, but I felt like I was able to collect myself after every spot. It wasn't like a spot fest, a spot monkey match where it's too much for me. I feel like I get that from AEW a lot where, yes, they have a lot of great spots in a match, but there's too much going on at a time, especially, let's say, when AEW does a lot of these six-man tags, eight-man tags with a lot of great individual tag teams, but all these spots back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back in succession hurts. It hurts and devalues the spots. You get to let these spots build, and this match really did it for me. Coming towards the back end of the match, double-team maneuver gives MSK the victory, and they are the new Dusty Cup winners. 
the raw emotion out of MSK, it was palpable. You could feel it. You could feel it coming through the screen. The Wesley holding his hands to his face. The raw emotion. And just knowing that you succeeded. How long have MSK waited to make it to the WWE and finally be on this big stage of an NXT TakeOver? The biggest stage they've been in a long time. And they finally make it there. And not only do they perform at a high level, they, they exceed expectations of what that match could have been. And, oh boy, it, I felt the emotion. I felt the goosebumps. I can only imagine the emotion MSK was feeling. And congrats to them. And congrats and hopefully having a great run with the WWE. A lot of wow moments in this match for me and a lot of wow moments throughout this pay-per-view in general. Really, really impressed. Io Shirai versus Tony Storm versus Mercedes Martinez triple threat for the NXT Women's Championship. The match starts poor. The ring announcer can get a word out. I thought that was great as Martinez attacks Shirai. There's a lot of nasty bumps in this match and a lot of nasty bumps in this show as well, but that's what makes NXT so great. A lot of these wrestlers putting their bodies on the lines for us, the fans. Uh, Shirai springboards onto the outside and catching nothing but the wall, which is was a nasty bump. Nothing but the wall, literally. Taking a springboard from the second rope all the way onto the barricade. That looks like that hurts. I don't know about you, but I don't think I'll be able to take that any day. The one big botch in this match, I think we'll see this from Matthew on Botchamania, uh, the table broke on its own as Storm was trying to clean it off and taking off the uh, the shield on the front. It, the table just imploded on itself. And I think uh, Barrett tipped the hat a little bit saying the table was a little wobbly by MSK in the previous match. And you know these things happen, but the adapt and evolve. And that spot where the table collapsed completely got washed away by Io Shirai jumping from the scaffolding onto the competitors down below. Beautiful visual. Shirai, we've seen her jump with a trash can on her head, literally at war games. And yeah, I thought nothing could beat that. This one, I don't think I don't think this spot beats the the trash can spot. That was pretty fantastic. But uh, I give this a, a close second or third in her history of uh, uh, jumping off things in NXT. A storm connects with Storm Zero, and Martinez still kicks out a flying headbutt. To Martinez from Tony Storm. We think that's going to do the job, but Shirai breaks up the pin with a moonsault from the top rope and pins Martinez to win. Io Shirai retains the NXT Women's Championship. I don't think Shirai is going to lose his championship for a while. I want to see a legitimate competitor come up one-on-one -on -one against Shirai for that belt to be taken off of her. As I said in the prediction show, Shirai won this belt versus Flair and Ripley. So for to us to think that that belt was going to come off of Shirai against Storm and Martinez. Nothing against either of them, too, but they're nowhere near Flair and Ripley were at the moment and now. So uh, Shirai, I think she's going to hold that belt for a while. And uh, I really have to think, think pretty hard to see who's going to be the next one to take that belt off of Shirai. It might be a while. Moving on to our main event. And I'm still gathering myself from this main event because uh, it really was some next-level stuff. Pete Dunne versus Finn Balor for the NXT Championship. And uh, you know, before the match, gotta love the MSG uh, Madison Square Garden style microphone for the main event hanging down from the ceiling. I always think that's great, especially an homage to the early days of the WWE as a whole. And just having that microphone hanging from the ceiling just gives the match that type of authority that match deserves. It's the main event of a takeover. Main event with Pete Dunne and Finn Balor in it. Having a huge match. Who wouldn't want... That's the little things. The little things that make a match special. 
They didn't have to have it there, but they did. And because me as a nerd, I appreciated that, especially a person from New York City. I appreciate that doubly so. So great match, Matt wrestling early on. And then the match ends up transitioning into a reversal submission type match where they're both going at it with leg holds and arm holds and finger holds and that for be done. Uh, and STF by, uh, excuse me, STF by Finn Balor was reversed by Dunn by driving the fingers into the mat of Finn Balor. Finn Balor's fingers in this match were crippled, absolutely crippled. And you, we all know that feeling of what it's like for your fingers just to jam your finger. We all, not a lot of us know how it feels to take a bump. I think we all can agree with that. But we all know what it feels like to jam your finger, to get your finger twisted, to have a hangnail or something like that. We all know that feeling. And for that to be on full effect, for someone to step on your hand even, for that to be in full effect in this match in such a grotesque way, and the way that the camera angles were so deeply entrenched on focused in on the bending of the fingers of Finn Balor, I thought was absolutely fantastic. Coup de grace reversed into a triangle. Uh, Finn Balor actually ends up passing out, but the match continues. Uh, Pete Dunne steps on the fingers of Finn Balor once again. Dunne makes Balor hit his own uh, groin area and connects with the bitter end, but Finn Balor does kick out. Raw emotion out of me once again every single time those fingers get stomped on. I had to write it multiple times in my notes because that for me that's what made this match. How Pete Dunne manipulated those fingers time and time again. Finn Balor removes the mouthpiece of Pete Dunne, which is a little maybe a little sketchy in the COVID era, but I'm okay with it for the sake of this match. Uh, double drop kick into the face. Of Pete Dunne, a coup de grace, and a 1916 Finn Balor wins and retains the NXT Championship. An absolute work of art of a match. Once again, I don't do these matches justice by speaking into a microphone at 10.42 at night. I don't do these matches justice. I highly recommend you, if you haven't watched these matches, to go do so. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Go find it on the WWE Network. Should be right there since it happened last night. <laughs> I highly recommend it. And another great piece of storytelling. Finn Balor wins or retains his NXT championship. The referee hands him the belt. But Balor physically cannot grab the belt because his fingers were so mangled after the match. Beautiful. The belt had to be put on his, his waist after he stood up. Because he physically could not hold the belt. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. As Balor walked up the entrance ramp and turned around towards the camera and does that signature pose where he points towards the camera, he couldn't point his fingers forward. His fingers were crunkled back and just mangled. For me, that piece of storytelling proved that not only could Balor get to the, through the match and win, but still had battle scars to show, putting Dunn over in a fantastic way, in such a minuscule way, such a minuscule way, easy enough as crinkling your fingers back and making them look mangled. For me, that, that spoke volumes, volumes. As Finn Balor was standing there with his fingers pointed, 
back at himself because he couldn't reach forward. Only Larkin and Birch attacked after the match and ended up beating down on him pretty hard along with Pete Dunne. Undisputed Era enters to save the day. And he ended up standing tall at the end of the night, standing with Finn Balor. And as we all assume, those four were going to stand in the ring uh, happy and glad. I thought that show was going to fade to black right there. I had the remote in my hand. Adam Cole super kicks Finn Balor right in the middle of the ring after a fantastic match. Adam Cole super kicks Finn Balor. And then Adam Cole super kicks Kyle O'Reilly. A moment in history. A moment in history that not a lot of us are going to forget for a long, long time. A lot of us hold deep emotional connections to the Undisputed Era for what they've done to the professional wrestling industry in recent history, especially with NXT, making it one of the best wrestling promotions and one of the best wrestling shows in the world today. And for Adam Cole to superkick not only Finn Balor, which we can all digest, but to superkick a lifelong friend and undisputed error mate in Kyle O'Reilly, a moment that left me speechless, a moment that took my breath away, and a moment that makes this show one of the greatest things I've seen from NXT in a long time. What a moment in history. To, to see that was some next-level stuff. And you can only appreciate it if you're, if you can only appreciate moments like this if you've been invested. Nothing wrong with the casual fan. I'm all for this, I'm all for casual fans. I think they're what makes the, the world of professional wrestling go around. But for the people that sit down every Wednesday night, turn on NXT for the past years and years and years, seeing the Undisputed Era grow. It's what they've become in one of the top factions in the history of the WWE and definitely NXT. For that to happen is a, a, mo a moment in history not a lot of us are going to forget and a moment in history a lot of us are going to appreciate. The, this is the reason why we are professional wrestling fans. For moments like this. For moments like the Shield breaking up. For moments like the Undertaker being beaten at WrestleMania 30. For moments like Adam Cole super kicking Kyle O'Reilly. No one expected it. I didn't expect it. Uh, a lot of people put this on the same level as the shield breaking up. Maybe even higher. Because it hit them that hard. To grade this pay-per-view, I'm going to give it an A. I was teetering between A and A-. minus, But I'm going to give it an A. Because of that final moment. If it wasn't for the Adam Cole heel turn. I probably would have stood at a very high A-. minus. But after the Adam Cole heel turn. I'm going to give it an A. It's going to be very hard for me to give an A plus to anything. And the fact that it's the first week that I'm doing this. And I'm giving a show an A. I don't want to devalue my grading system this early. And I don't think it does. Because this is an absolute moment in history. Every match on this card deliver delivered at another level that I don't think a lot of us expected. Reading a lot of articles on this show, a lot of people called this, oh, this is going to be a solid B show. This is going to be a solid average NXT TakeOver. This was nothing, nothing, nothing was average about this. This NXT TakeOver was next level. This NXT TakeOver was A-worthy. And I believe that. 
And for NXT to try and do it again in a month or two, it's going to be tough. But every time I watch an NXT TakeOver pay-per-view, I look at it and I'm like, There's no, no, nothing can beat this. And then something does end up beating it. And we might see that in AEW. Because after watching this pay-per-view, that you know AEW is going to step their stuff up as well. Great work from NXT. Great work from Triple H. Great work from everybody at NXT. Whole roster, all talent. Really taken back. Really, really taken back. All right, we're going to head into the break. And we're going to talk about something fun. We're going to talk about NASCAR and pro wrestling. How much they have in common in the crossovers they've had throughout the years. The Daytona 500 was yesterday. And as I record this, I believe they're going through stage two. So we're going to run through that. And we're also going to talk about tonight's Raw a little bit. And obviously on this day in pro wrestling. So stick with us right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. On this day in pro wrestling history, on February 15th, 2004, Eddie Guerrero wins the WWE Championship at No Way Out. Remember No Way Out? That was a big part of my childhood, uh, that pay-per-view. Usually it hosted the Elimination Chamber uh, on the road to WrestleMania. I remember the poster of Jeff Hardy underwater holding the chain link of the chamber. That was a big... I, for whatever reason, I had that imprinted in my mind. But Eddie Guerrero defeated Brock Lesnar to win the WWE Championship, and this win made Guerrero the first Latino-born WWE Champion since Pedro Morales in 1971. So not only a huge moment for Eddie, but a huge moment for the Hispanic community. Eddie Guerrero will continue to be missed to this day. Moving on, going to talk about a uh, little bit of current events. Yesterday was the Daytona 500, and we saw all the promotion on Friday Night SmackDown about Sasha Banks being the honorary starter for this year's Daytona 500. They even gave Chase Elliott a custom WWE Championship belt this week on SmackDown. The Street Profits gifted it to him with the number nine side plates on the belt as well. And funny that they gave him the belt even though he did not win the race yet. Currently, as I sit here, we are halfway through the Daytona 500. The race is technically official, meaning that if it stops again, the race was supposed to start around 2.30, a little bit after 2.30, and ended up being delayed uh, not only after a huge like 15-car pileup, but a rainstorm that went through Daytona. race ended up being restarted midway through NXT TakeOver. And personally, I'm rooting for Bubba Wallace. I want him to win that 23 car with Michael Jordan. I got a little bit of money on it. Don't tell nobody, but <laughs> that, that's what I got going on right now. And uh, go Bubba. So hope, if he wins, you're going to see me a very happy camper on the next episode of the Daily DDT Podcast. But I'm going to go through some NASCAR pro wrestling crossover moments throughout history. And some I remember very vividly from my childhood. Some I had to do a little bit of research on. And one I remember... In more recent history, John Cena, 2016, he was the Grand Marshal, I believe, of the Daytona 500, and he was hit in the face by a reporter just walking by uh, with her ponytail in the face of John Cena. He was a little bit flustered. It didn't do anything crazy, obviously, but the fact that you see a mammoth John Cena just get walked by by the reporter, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, going back a little bit in history, WCW had a car in the late 90s, late to mid 90s in NASCAR that ended up winning a couple of races as well. And not only that, 
NWO had a car as well because they were trying to take over everything WCW had at the time. So WCW had a car, ended up turning into an NWO car. Great to see a little bit of crossover and, you know, a lot of NASCAR fans are also professional wrestling fans to see that crossover there. And not only does professional wrestling love cards, but TNA absolutely loves, loves NASCAR. Hermie Sadler, interviewer, wrestler, and promoter, has also had a huge leg in NASCAR as well. And Jeff Hammond, a driver, was a TNA analyst. There's a video out there of him describing the six-sided ring when it first made its way into Total Nonstop Action TNA. Once it's made its way there, he described it like being in a racetrack because even though the ring is a little bigger, the ropes individually are a little shorter on each side of the ring. So you have to bounce you have to bounce around faster like you are in a racetrack. That's what they were trying to describe. Also, with it being a little bit bigger and the angles of the ring being a little bit different, you have to look from all sides like you're being in a race car. So that was Jeff Hammond's take on the six-sided ring, trying to compare it to NASCAR. They also did a couple spots where they had a couple NASCAR drivers do matches. And back in 2004, we see it all the time. Uh, if you ever accidentally click on the Twitch stream for uh, TNA for Impact now, if you ever click on the Twitch streams, sometimes they show some past moments in history and they have some NASCAR drivers uh, appear back in the early 2000s having matches and getting involved in storylines as well. Now looking at my childhood in NASCAR, for whatever reason, you might look at me like I'm crazy, but I'm from New York City, but I did have a big interest in NASCAR as a kid. I've also had a big interest in monster trucks as a kid. Not really the same thing, but I, I in, a, in a previous life, I had to be from the South in some way, shape, or form. I've always been told that. So one big moment I remember is the Randy Orton NASCAR I don't believe that Randy Orton NASCAR ever actually competed in an official NASCAR race, but it was destroyed by Kofi Kingston. There's a clips out there that I remember very vividly watching as a kid. Kofi Kingston standing on top of the NASCAR pouring orange paint on the hood, saying that there's a fly in the hood, ends up smashing the windshield with a crowbar, scratching the sides of the car as well. Huge. Absolutely huge moment that I remember as a kid that happened on Monday Night Raw and also another big moment Kyle Busch and Joey Logano guest hosts on Monday Night Raw they actually them two together they got into a fist fight IRL and I believe that was in more recent history as well uh, between uh, Logano and Bush but they were also hosts of Monday Night Raw to race car drivers Kyle Busch I believe and Joey Logano are still racing even last night racing in the Daytona 500 and the most important moment of my childhood the Smackdown versus Raw 2010 car that was driven by Kyle Busch and won the NASCAR Nationwide Series O'Reilly Challenge at Texas Motor Speedway so not only did WWE have a Smackdown versus Raw car in a NASCAR race and you got to remember on the cover of that game the Smackdown versus Raw they had the big show on the cover they had John Cena and there's one more I think it's the Miz I, I'm usually good at these cover things I think it's the Miz it's either the Miz or Edge but I'm, I'm leaning more towards uh, the Miz for those three being on the cover of Smackdown versus Raw 2010 not only did it drive in the race but it won that being a huge moment and that actually one of the one things that got me 
back into NASCAR racing as I got a little bit older through my childhood. So, you know, good moments with NASCAR professional wrestling, going together like peanut butter and jelly. You know, very, very interesting to see. Preview for Monday Night Raw tonight. Uh, we talked about it yesterday. I'll talk about it again. Gauntlet match, including all the members that are in the Raw Elimination Chamber. Winner enters the chamber last, giving them a big advantage, not having to go through six men, five men, wherever you have it. And Miss TV with Drew McIntyre. I'm a big fan of the Miss TV segments because of how impassioned Miz gets. I know some people argue about his uh, ability to incorporate cultural references. I'm okay with that, given his acting skills and how well he does when he gets really passionate about something. That really gets uh, me going with The Miz. That's why he's one of my favorites in the WWE right now. Some of you might cringe at me saying that, but I'm okay with that as well. That's all for me on the Daily DDT Podcast. You can catch us on all your favorite providers. If you want to hear more content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. If you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. I I gave myself a little bit of a pat on the back on my Twitter. I got all five of my predictions for the NXT TakeOver pay-per-view correct. Oh, yeah. You got that right. Five for five. So, pat on the back. Pat on the back. If I take a 10% commission on all the bets that you won because of my predictions. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I give those away for free because I love you guys so much. When you give me a listen on that Daily DDT podcast and make sure you subscribe to us and follow on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, respectively. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily TDG Podcast. Peace out.